Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for tuning in. As we've been doing with every episode lately leading up to April 1st, 2015, which is my sixth anniversary for working for myself, I'm starting every episode starting with one of my 20 tips for, for uh, solopreneurs. And today's tip is number seven, and it is don't hide. You know, one of the things I find is a lot of people start their own business, but they don't want to be braggadocious. They don't want to go out there and tell everybody about their business and what they're doing and why it's fantastic and how they serve people. So they sit back and sort of hope that people are going to discover them. But in today's very noisy social media crazy world, if you're not out there talking about your product and your service, you kind of have to assume that nobody else is. So tip number seven is do not hide. Go out and tell people what you're up to if you want to find success. So as we get closer to April 1st, I'm going to hopefully go through all 20 of these tips, and then we'll celebrate my six years of being a solopreneur when I get to that show that'll come out in early April. Now, today, we have one of the most fun guests I can imagine. We are going to talk to Lisa McKenzie from Ooh La Bra. Now, she'll tell you a little bit about her company and how she is making sure that everybody looks great uh, in the outfits that they wear. However, Lisa and I go back a long, long way. We actually met in college, and we actually met on our way to a leadership conference within the fraternity and sorority world. And I don't know if I'm telling tales out of school here, but uh, my three of us from my fraternity were driving out from San Diego to Palm Springs, and there were three very attractive ladies from a, a local sorority who we didn't know, but they had their little sticker in the back of the window, so we pulled up next to them, and we introduced ourselves. And then later, we were in the middle of the desert, and we said, hey, get off at the next exit. And we pulled over and we all had a beer and kind of celebrated going to the leadership conference. And then we hung out together at the leadership conference and all of us have been friends ever since. So you never know how you're going to meet people who are going to be really influential people in business, but also really great friends for your whole life. So Lisa, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. And I'm chuckling as you tell that story because... (laughs) There are so, there's so many great memories that go so far back with us. And so I think it's wonderful that all these years later that we've re- remained friends and also um, our business intersect. But yeah, that, that day was kind of a fateful day for the Delta Gammas and the Betas when the three of us and the three of you were on that interstate and you guys motioned to us to get off the road. And then, you know, all I remember is that a week later, your pledges were bringing pancakes to our sorority house. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it did It did over the next several years. The, the your, your sorority and our fraternity were great friends, and it all came from just a couple of the officers actually meeting and becoming buddies. Right. And, you know, it, to this day, you know, when people say what kind of events shaped your life, to make you the person that you are today. And I always say working at McDonald's (laughs) and my sorority experience and the sorority experience was, um, you know, you cannot, you know, if there's any young people who are listening to this, um, I know some people have particular attitudes about what a sorority or fraternity experience might be. But um, for me, it was, you know, lots of fun, of course, but very professional and those networking um, opportunities that came at that young age, are so important even to this day. I will meet people in meetings and uh, 
we will find out that we're Delta Gammas. And it is amazing how that one, those two words uh, solidify that relationship so quickly. And so um, I can't express highly enough to people to uh, take advantage of those networking opportunities from a young age because not only will they professionally help you later, later but, I mean, look at us. We're still great friends. We get together at reunions. We share great laughs, great memories. So definitely. Absolutely. And, you know, and looking back, you know, 30 years later, it's it's really fascinating how I always feel I was very fortunate because the people who I hung out with at San Diego State through both Beta Theta Pi and also the Greek system, actually so many people are so successful as entrepreneurs and business professionals and community leaders. It's fun to see the success that so many people had. Now, I will go back and say that as the father of daughters, I really don't know that I would encourage them to pull over and have a beer on the freeway with uh, some people they just met. But, you know, it was a different time. Well, maybe you could say have a root beer. <laughs> That's right. Well, that I still, I, I, I think it's more the pulling over and talking to strangers on the side of the road. But fortunately, it was a, it was a great experience. You know what it was? We had the Greek symbols on the back of our cars that sort of just said, you know, we can trust each other. <laughs> I'm sure if you had a strange bumper sticker on it said something else, I might not have pulled over. <laughs> so, Lisa, you are the uh, founder and the CEO of Ula Bra, and also you're the producer of Unite Empowering Events. But you started off working for a big tech company as an intern, and then later you became sort of their manager of events going back, you know, 20 some odd years. And what was it that, you know, you're working for a big company, you quickly moved up from intern to head of events. What was it that made you say, hmm, maybe I'd rather work for myself? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's, I, I, I mean, I'm, I love the, the age I'm at right now because all of a sudden, all the history and all the experiences I had, um, you know, in even earlier than high school, you know, pre-high school, high school, college, and then that, that first career that you mentioned where I, you know, moved up and became in charge of events. Um, my job track up to that point was that I believed without a doubt that I was going to be a reporter standing on the White House steps delivering, you know, political news. I was a poli-sci journalism major. And without a doubt, I knew that's what I was going to do. Um, but after college, I needed a job, and I took an internship just because I needed money and was answering the phones for, an, you know, an 800 number on tech questions having to do with uh, external storage. I knew nothing of what I was talking about, but uh, <laughs> I got to be friends with the woman who was in charge of public relations and special events. And she loved public relations, but she ha- she really couldn't stand working on all the details related to all the conventions that the company went to. So she would hand me all the dirty work, and I would be in charge of you know, filling out forms and arranging for transportation and designing the booth. And next thing you know, I was um, thrust into the position of that marketing uh, manager for public re- or for the special events, which actually is something I've loved my entire life. So I sort of accidentally came into being what my passion was. And so um, out of a result of being in that job for four years, I was traveling across the country, uh, um, traveling across the country and um, realized there was a, a hole in the system where all these exhibitors were attending shows across the country and they needed services that weren't provided back then at convention centers, such as 
uh, a roll of tape or Velcro or a fishbowl to put business cards in. And so just from my own experience of being the stranded exhibitor <laughs> at these cities, like I'd go to Boston and it'd be snowing and to go get those things, I would have to get in a taxi or take a subway or, and, um, and leave the convention center and spend a lot of time, a lot of ag- aggravation and stress. So, you know, it was really just born out of a necessity. It was an idea I came up with saying, wouldn't it be cool if somebody brought those services directly to the convention center and made it super easy for those exhibitors who were traveling many miles and spending lots of money to just have Whoa, and that's the problem with technology. We just lost the call, but we're just going to pick up and keep going. Lisa, you were telling us, I know, you were telling us about how, you know, the company that you started when you left big corporate America was based out of necessity of being in convention centers and not having services. So you went on and did that. Right. And, you know, I guess what I would like to say to encourage um, anybody who is starting a new business or stuck in a situation where they want to try I was forced to try that idea out because I was laid off. Um, I worked for that company for four years and all the time had the idea that wouldn't it be cool if. Ah. And so when I was laid off, um, you know, I just made a phone call to one of the big shows that I used to work for and said, I have this idea. Could we set up a booth at your show and offer these services to your exhibitors? And she was really, really responsive and said, sure, no problem. I think that's excellent. It makes our show look more full service. And this is well before there was Kinko's and those type of things inside convention centers. So we were a novelty at the time. And uh, it started with one show to 50 shows a year. I was traveling all over the country with some of the most major uh, conventions that take place. And it was a lot of fun. And it was a complete troubleshooting industry where exhibitors would come up to us and um, here's my problem, Uh, the show starts in an hour, you know, and and so we were Jimmy on the spot. I mean, we were there to calm them down and solve problems. So my entire life, I kind of feel like that's what I've had a bent to do is figure out problems and come up with solutions. So that's what I did um, from 19, oh my goodness, 91 until about 2010. Wow. So that's actually yeah. a great segue because then about that time, Ula Bra was born and that was to solve a problem. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your business today? Yeah. And so again, to just make people feel bad or better about a possible bad situation. Um, here I was, I had the major contract at the Morial Convention Center in New Orleans. And every three years, we our contract was up for renewal. So you always had kind of this real big pressure looming over you that, wow, you know, any day uh, they may not award the contract to us. Um, so, so what happened about that time was that it was post Katrina and the convention industry had changed drastically down here in New Orleans. And at the same time, um, everybody went green. They got smartphones and, um, paperless. So the business center that we had developed down and, you know, grew to be a permanent business center, a convention center in uh, New Orleans. Um, we started noticing a big slowdown um, in our business. But 2009, a little event took place in New Orleans post-Katrina where the Saints won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and at that same time, um, you, there, a very popular show was on uh, television called Sex in the City, and Sarah Jessica Parker was wearing her bra as outerwear. And it was somewhat scandalous that people, you know, would kind of look at that and go, wow, her bra is exposed. Um, but for some reason, that seemed to be the start of the trend really worldwide. When I travel, I see this everywhere, where all of a sudden it almost gave, you know, the 
go ahead to women that it's now okay for your bra straps to show. And uh, although there's a lot of controversy with with that, there I have customers who say you should never let your bra strap show. Um, what happened was the Saints of the Super Bowl and Sarah Jesse Parker showing the bra, and I, I'm thinking, okay, there's women walking around with um, bra straps showing, and then I decided to release the contract at the convention center. So all those things kind of came into play at the same time, and I had that next idea where I said, wouldn't it be cool if there was a bra strap that you could wear that actually looked tasteful? So instead of people saying, oh, my gosh, that's so tacky, it, it looks your underwear is showing. You know, it's that cute outfit that you have on that's you know, sort of sliding off your shoulder can actually be enhanced and accessorized if the bra strap itself looked pretty and made the outfit look cute. So um, I released the contract at the convention center and same with, you know, everything I'd done in the past with my entrepreneur event was I said, I'm just going to take a chance on this idea because I think it has opportunity and uh, started doing research on a completely new industry. I had not been into fashion in terms of as a designer, um, had never done importing, you know, any of that. And I just got educated and, and uh, just said, you know, I'm just going to see how many doors continue to open on this idea. And it was, and it has been, it's just like four years ago. So that, that was four years ago. And um, here I am, I'm in 400 boutiques across the country. I've got several Canadian boutiques covering, um, you know, having my product, a couple Australia boutiques. So it's been a wild ride. You so, know, that's where I'm at right now with the Ula Bra product. So what you've done is taken just, you know, a cloth strap and made it bling, right? Well, actually, we um, we have two different lines. We have the we have the an entire line that's actually not cloth. It's really beautiful, uh, different types of uh, materials. We've got leather, beautiful leather, um, crystals, uh, chains. Uh, you know, so we, those would be kind of like the upper end straps. They sell between twenty six to forty dollars at really nice upscale boutiques that are, you can say, prom, bridal, special occasion, um, ready to wear lingerie. Those straps are meant to be um, just look like jewelry, but they're actually performing the function of holding up a strapless bra. So those are sort of the higher end straps. And then we have, we do have what you said, this cloth strap that's a lower end, more um, you know, sort of everyday strap that is cute that, uh, you know, you could be wearing with a t-shirt or um, any kind of casual outfit or even sort of, you know, you could, you could, it does dress up your outfit, but yeah, so we have two different lines. So that's great. So now, what do you love about this life of an entrepreneur? I mean, since 1991, you've been calling your own shots and, and creating your own path. What do you love about it? You know, I don't think being an entrepreneur is for everybody. But for me, um, I love, I really prescribe to uh, studies and theories that uh, if you can conceive it, you can you know, achieve it. Like I, I think being an entrepreneur is one of those things that, there is no bar that is ever set too high. And so for me to be able to say, I have this idea and I'm going to explore it and then to watch it unfold. I think the reason a lot of times uh, that may not be the case for people is that they just don't trust their instincts or they don't take a step in that direction to, to see if it's possible. So for me, it's kind of like a playground, you know, I get to have ideas and then if people um, who I'm surrounded with are enthusiastic and, 
support it and especially the customers love it. Um, it's really encouraging. I mean, it's just, it's kind of great affirmation. And, and it, like I said, it's sort of just like I get to work at, wake up every day and play and that my, um, you know, I, I get to have fun um, dreaming up things and seeing if, uh, if that, that thought can become a reality. So is there anything about the entrepreneurial life that you don't like? You ever think, wow, I wish I had just never been laid off and stayed with that tech company? Um, there's a lot I don't like. <laughs> um, no, I would never in a million years go back to working for corporate America. And I I, I guess you say that hesitantly because if, if something happened and I had to just for survival, I would. But I can't, re- I mean, I can't just looking back and recalling the number of times that we came in on Saturdays for all day employee meetings or, um, you know, you sacrificed a lot for these businesses and then you're laid off. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, it's very discouraging that somebody else can control your destiny. I guess, I guess in some, in some way, you know, as an entrepreneur, you, you kind of shape your own in a little bit. I mean, I know you are controlled by outside forces and whether or not customers are going to love your product and your brand, but I, I definitely um, don't miss corporate politics and lots of meetings <laughs> that just didn't seem to make sense, you know, like time wasters. So well, I fully um, agree. When I, do you agree? Like, no, I mean, I can't, I, you know, that one poster where there's a lot of hands, you know, in the poster. <laughs> so it's, like, <laughs> it's a lot of people getting together to do nothing. Um, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I don't miss that. And, and the, the, the hard part about being an entrepreneur is that um, there are mostly days where you're encouraged. And every so often there's a day of discouragement where, um, you know, I don't know, maybe something doesn't go the way you hope or uh, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders because you don't have the answer and you feel like you need to have a lot of knowledge. And, and, and a day like that can sometimes be a slight setback in terms of these, just the, uh, the emotional capacity to just say, I can power through this. And, and nine times out of 10, it, I, I more than that. I mean, it's, those little setbacks are really minor and, and, and not significant. But I think as an entrepreneur, it's just, you know, to wake up passionate every day is probably impractical. You know, I mean, everybody has their high and low days. So, I mean, for me, thank goodness, the majority of every day that I wake up is really happy. But I guess that that's the bad part about being an entrepreneur is when you have a little setback, you don't have as big of a team or all the resources available. It's on your shoulders to try to figure out, okay, how do I turn this setback around and, and uh, make it work? So. You know, it's a lot of pressure, but it's super fun. Well, and I found that, you know, you talked about the, the, the layoffs. I got laid off from several companies that either closed their doors in Austin or went out of business entirely. And, and yet we think, oh, the big company, that's going to be safety, right? Working for a startup or starting your own thing or being a solopreneur, ooh, that's risky. My career showed sort of just the opposite. The biggest risk came from putting all your tools in someone else's toolbox and, and hoping they would be there to unlock the toolbox the next morning. Yeah, yeah, I don't miss that at all. Although I did receive a lot of training, um, so I'm grateful to them, you know, in terms of what that, what foundations that, you know, that job laid for me for, you know, what I do now. Yeah, I think it would be hard to come right out of college and, and, and launch a life if you didn't have some business experience. But there's a lot of people out there who, who are successful doing it. I talk to people on the show who they've never worked for a big company and it's worked out great for them. So I think there's a lot of paths to get there. 
you know what I think was the best part about working for corporate America was that you do have to understand politics because, you know, when you are put in a boardroom with the presidents and CEOs of different companies or, you know, in my situation, traveling across the country in the convention world and meeting um, very high profile customers, um, there you, you get trained to understand etiquette, protocol, um, you know, how to function um, across the table from, you know, every type of customer. And so, uh, you know, I would not put that, that training aside for a second. I mean, that was invaluable. So Lisa, what advice do you have for somebody? Maybe, maybe they're working for a company and they have an idea for a fashion accessory, or, or maybe they see a, a service that isn't being provided in their industry. What advice do you have for somebody who has an idea and thinks, I, I could go start my own business? You know, um, well, first of all, there is going to be the need for capital, and capital doesn't have to be a lot of money. Um, in my situation, it was $2,300. Now, that may sound like an enormous amount to some people, but it's not like Shark Tank amount where you got, you're going in and asking for $200,000. For me, I needed to have proof of concept, so I needed to have enough money to get product made and packaging and test it out. So like in the, in the apparel world, I tested mine out in a direct-to-consumer situation where I got my product in, came up with a name, you know, did my best in the early days to come up with a website and a logo. And, you know, it was, it's vastly different from the beginning days, you know, but I got started. I mean, I just got, you know, the idea is you get started. And so if you could take a small investment and get proof of concept, I mean, there's going to be a point where, you're just going to know, wow, this is a lousy idea <laughs> because and, and, and test it out on people who aren't your mother and your best friend, because your mother might say, well, that's the best thing I've ever seen. I mean, that might not be your best person to try it out on. I, you know, go directly into the trench, trenches where customers are and see if they buy it. It's a great way to test out your, you know, if you have it priced correctly, um, and then do follow-up, you know, in terms of how is the quality, the ease of use, the, the marketing. And, and so for me, that the early days was just really just proof of concept to say, oh, I think I'm really onto something here. So that I, I hopefully that was answered your question is that just try to make a small investment, get your product, um, and see if it works. And if it does, doors will continue to open for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, Lisa, you know, we could talk about you and the cool Ula Bra product all day long. But I find that some of the best entrepreneurs are observers. So I always like to ask people who come on this show, who else do you see out there who's doing something just, you know, wickedly great, who you think, wow, I sure admire what they're doing? You know, I think of a couple, I mean, um, and these are, these are really big entrepreneurs, but if I was to fashion my company, if I, if I could, um, like Tom's shoes comes to mind, um, they came up with an idea of, you know, uh, they have an amazing story of how, how their shoe came to be. And they, uh, they've created a product that gives back, um, to, um, to, you know, they, you buy a shoe, you give a shoe. I don't know if you know, you oh, have yeah. five pairs of oh, shoes. Oh, yeah. My, I, have, I have two teenage daughters. I know all about Tom's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but just, you know, the the manner in w- the heart behind the way that that company has grown um, and how well they're known and what they're known for, um, it really inspires me. So if I was to be like any kind of company, it would be similar to 
such home shoes. Sure. No, that's a great that's a great example. So and the other question I love to ask everybody, and I know where this is going to go with you because you are doing something absolutely amazing when it comes to giving back to the greater good. But I always like to ask people who come on the show because I think great entrepreneurs you know, it's more than just money. You want to leave your mark. You somehow want to serve society and, and do something that matters. What is it that you do? And let's talk a little bit about Unite Empowering Events and, and what that's all about and how you've, you know, gotten involved with this project and, and how it matters to so many people. Right. So my product is a product that is for women. And when I go to markets, or um, these consumer events, uh, 99% of the people I deal with are women. Um, our tagline for Ulaga is, we lift you up. And there's a, it's a double meaning, of course, <laughs> of because... Because <laughs> it's a bra strap. strap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hopefully it makes sense to people what the first meaning is, is that we lift you up. We strap, your, strap it on bra and we, you know, we get rid of that problem <laughs> called gravity. Um, but because they're pretty straps and they solve a fashion solution, we also notice that it makes people happy. You know, so when um, when I'm with women and I interact with them, and then coming from my sorority background where I just love the dynamics of um, of women um, in terms of friendships and that, um, I've, I've sort of grown with my company to, to just feel that I have the responsibility to uh, to do something for the greater good in society. And so drawing on all of my back experience on it, you know, way back with my sorority and special events, um, I, I created a nonprofit for my company called the We Lift You Up Fund. And what we do is we work with um, cancer patients who are referred to us from hospitals where we put them through runway training, several weeks of runway training where they learn how to um, pose in front of a camera, um, stand taller, uh, get on a stage, walk with confidence. Um, and they do this as a group where 24 women go through the program at a time. And the purpose is to just restore their self-esteem and for them to kind of think beyond the cancer diagnosis into a more positive outlook on life. And so, you know, how the two companies relate um, really is just the mission of our company lifting others up. Um, the bra straps really don't play much of a role, believe it or not, in in the fashion show. I have a lot of people saying, "Wow, oh, you know, you, you know, the bra straps could be a major part of that fashion." And yes, they could. And sometimes the models actually wear them in the show. But it's really just a mission of mine. It's a personal mission um, that I'm getting to play out, uh, where I can take you know some women who are just not feeling great about themselves and make them feel better. And and so that that's how Unite is um, is taking shape. And and so far today, I've, I've had 76 women um, go through the program. It's just phenomenal and super gratifying. So you've done this fashion show, you know, featuring the cancer survivors, and you've done it there in, in New Orleans for three years. Is that right? Yes. We're coming upon our third event in and, just less than two months. And so is there thoughts about, about taking this type of a, of a fashion show that brings self-esteem? Is there thoughts about taking that beyond New Orleans? Yes. Well, actually, um, we, the first two events were held in my community, which is an hour outside of New Orleans. So this New Orleans event that's about to take place is our first new community. So uh, we've established um, a great network of support here in my community, which is called the St. Tammany Parish. 
and we've had two very successful sold-out events, 600 people, you know, basically the, the event center was busting at the scenes, a waiting list of models to get in the program. Um, so we were ap- approached by a cancer center in New Orleans that said, we love what you're doing, and um, would you be willing to do this over, you know, on that side of the lake, if anybody's familiar with this uh, geography. And so we said, yeah, you know, it, uh, we, so that now we have 48 women, or excuse me, 24 new women who are about to walk that walk the stage on March 24th in New Orleans. And what's cool about it, this we have an 81-year-old great-grandmother who told me that she has a five-year-old great-granddaughter who was at St. Jude's Hospital dealing with cancer. And we... All right. So we're back again. We lost Lisa temporarily. So Lisa, you were just talking about the 81-year-old who also had a five-year-old great-granddaughter who was facing cancer. So continue with that story. Right. When she told me that she has a five-year-old granddaughter had cancer and was um, at St. Jude's in Memphis, um, although our event had never really been intended for children to go through the training, I just felt that it would be an amazing gift to be able to um, offer to the family to see this young five-year-old, her her name is Ava, go through training with the great-grandmother. I mean, they actually will go through professional runway training and and pose and print and and go to their salon together the day of the event and get all styled and walk on the stage three times together. So it's just very exciting for us to be able to to do that for the family and watch this... um, you know, victory over cancer together. Well, that is, that is just got, I'm, I'm all tingly. That's such a, that's such an amazing story. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I lost my mother to breast cancer back when I was in college. I did not know that. I'm sorry. No, I didn't know that. So I, you know, I mean, to hear that that's what your charity is and that's what you're doing. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And and I remember, you know, the struggles after the surgery that, that she went through and everything else. So I think that's fantastic that this is the way you've chosen oh, to give back. Thanks. And I just wanted to mention that the um, one of the really neat things about the event is that not only is it a source of healing and transformation for the participants who go through this, you know, to, to regain their self-esteem. I mean, we'll hear them say, I feel like damaged goods, you know, that sort of thing. And then they come out of this just so amazingly different, so confident. Um, but what we've found is that the event itself is a source of healing for the um, family who comes. I mean, because when, you, when you're a family member like yourself and you're dealing with such a traumatic situation, you really just don't, you know, know what to do on a day-to-day basis. But the end result is they all want to see that person feeling amazing again and smiling and laughing and enjoying life. And, and, uh, and so for us to watch that dynamic, and then we also have um, doctors and nurses who come who treated those patients and they have tears oh, wow. streaming down their face because they say, you know, normally the last time we saw that patient was bald, having, you know, infusions. So they get to see these, these women on stage in a completely different light and, uh, and they get to heal too. So it's a really neat event. I have to say it, it helps. It's the reason I wake up every day. Well, that, that, <laughs> so. that, that is fantastic. So Lisa, it has been great, you know, having you here on the show. It's been great being friends with you for nearly 30 years. I'm, I'm really glad that Likewise. we met. I'm really glad that we waved down the, the, the pretty DJs in the car next to us back 30 years ago. <laughs> So and yes, you, thank and, you for the pancakes. <laughs> and and you are doing so many amazing things with your business and with this charity and with your family. So Lisa, thanks for being here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. 
Oh, thank you for having me. And likewise, it's been such a joy knowing you all these years. And I can't wait to see what the next 30 years bring. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and to everybody who listened, I hope you enjoyed hearing about Ula Bra and about the Unite Empowering Events. Lisa, if people want to find more information about you or your company or your charity, how do they do that? Probably the best place would go to Ula Bra, and that's with two O's, O-O-H-L-A-D-R-A.com. And when you get to that website and you scroll down, you'll see uh, a little section that uh, talks about the paying it forward uh, part of what we do and the Unite program. It has a little background about how the program got started and why we felt that it was important to do that as entrepreneurs. Fantastic. Well, again, to everybody who tuned in and listened, sorry that we dropped a couple of calls, but we made it here to the end, and I think Lisa shared a lot of great information with us. So tune in in a couple of days. We'll have another show for you. In the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.